0: Welcome to the Agile Coffee Podcast. We are a part of the Agile Podcast Network. To find out more about the other amazing podcasts in this network, go to agilepodcastnetwork.com or on Twitter, check out AgilePodNet. My name is Victor Bonacci. You can reach me at Agile Coffee on Twitter. And I want to announce that I will be at two upcoming events, I'd like to see if anyone would like to join me in recording an episode of Agile Coffee. The first event is February 5th, 6th, and 7th up in Seattle, Washington. That's at the Agile Open Northwest. It'll be my second time attending the Agile Open Northwest. A few years back, I was at the event held in Portland, Oregon, and they rotate every year. They're in either Seattle or Portland. And then a week and a half later, on February 15th and 16th, I will be trekking down in my backyard here, basically, to the Agile Open San Diego in its third year. This will actually be my first year to attend both days. In years past, I wasn't able to make it to the opening day, but I was there for the, the closing. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And I'll bring my podcast gear to both the Seattle event on the 5th, 6th, and 7th as well as the San Diego event on the 15th and 16th. So if you're going to be in the neighborhood of either of those events, hit me up on Twitter at Agile Coffee and let me know. I'd like to get together and, and see what we could do about getting another podcast in the can, as they say. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to also ask a favor of you, dear listeners, on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Actually, I think I'm only on iTunes and Stitcher at this point, but nonetheless, if you would be so kind as to go there and leave me a a nice little review, let me know what you think of the podcast. What recommendations do you have for future episodes, topics, and whatnot, and who your favorite guests might be. As you know, the last time we had an Agile Coffee podcast was back around April or so of 2017 during the the Scrum Gathering, which was held in San Diego, uh, of which I was a co-chair with my great friend Kim Brainerd, and since then I'd taken a little bit of time off from from podcasting, um, busy with other projects around here, but here we go. We've got this one coming at you today, and just yesterday I recorded episode 57 as well. So you're in for a treat with episode 56 here right now, so sit back, relax, have a cup of coffee in front of you and get ready for another episode of the Agile Coffee Podcast. Agile coffee. coffee. Hey, it's been a while, but here we are, back with episode fifty-six of the Agile Coffee Podcast. Yeah, I think the last time we did one of these was in May, uh, right after the Scrum Gathering in San Diego um were any of you guys there no there? unfortunately no, not no. Pres- ben yeah presented. you presented yeah so around the table with me here today i have ben Rodelitz. did i say that right yeah i did I nailed it ben can be uh, found on linkedin curtis gilbert also can be found on linkedin where else are you found
1: these days Wherever there's agile excitement. There you go. <laughs> That's cool. And Larry
0: Lawhead.
2: <laughs> Hello, glad to be here.
0: Larry is on Twitter at Larry Lawhead. I'm Vic Bonacci at Agile Coffee on Twitter. So today we are at the uh, the central library of the Newport Beach Library at the in the San Joaquin Hills of Southern California. It's beautiful down here in Newport Beach. Um, yeah, we've got a, we've got three topics today and, and the challenge this morning was actually like stopping the the preamble before we turned on the mics because uh these are some some good and juicy topics i think so let's just dive right into it um curtis i think you you brought up a really good one uh to start us off today and we'll see how it it plays into the rest but your card says the relationship between coaching and agile what's that mean
1: yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of times I see many claim to be coaches and, uh, you know, the Agile coaching is really a very coveted um, title and recognition. But I think what I see is just that doesn't mean a whole lot anymore. I think yeah. too many people have used it to the point where it, it's hard to know what that means. Um, and I think the reason I raised the point is because coaching starts well in advance of Agile. In uh, fact, it yeah. has nothing to do with Agile uh until it does (laughs) so um, (laughs) you know because coaching is a certain way of thinking it's a certain uh, approach um i mentioned that book that uh you know i talked about with the uh coaches that were yeah we have to find the name of that book but uh
0: i think it was it had agile coaching in the title i'll put it in the show notes which will be on agilecoffee.com slash episode 56 but go on the book yeah. is written by a coach and he interviewed other coaches there's twenty who or are, thirty coaches
1: in there yeah. he did a nice job and it wasn't one thing in particular by um, uh, by Brown you know we all know Roger Brown roger Brown yeah. and all of his infinite quiet wisdom moments that you need to shut up and listen but here's yeah. you know coaching is a certain uh you, you got to have qualifications as a coach before you start worrying about calling yourself an agile coach yeah. and yeah, there's a whole regimen of thinking and the way you enroll people the way you work with people um i think the one thing that i thought was pretty powerful and what uh roger said is you know his style is you know asking questions and that is coaching and that's the book yes agile coaching wisdom from practitioners it is a good book and it's uh reasonably priced uh, pitching you guys, John and Roger and the rest. So, oh yeah, it's it's on Amazon. It's yeah. only six bucks on Amazon. And, uh, so yeah, I'll like, give you my uh, PayPal account for uh, future uh, <laughs> <laughs> royalties ref- references. So, I think it's you know the simplest uh, characterization is you know coaching is in the realm of personal development. It's in the realm of leadership. It's in the realm of change management. How do you facilitate change? It's a whole area of disciplines that you know need to be actually mastered before you ever begin to show up and start calling yourself a coach and um you know roger was commenting today you know coaching is effective questions in, in contrast to you know telling somebody what to do um and i agree with that statement because really there's an expression it's uh when if you want somebody to uh appreciate your point of view you need to ask them the question and um because if they say it's true then it's true if you tell them it's true, not necessarily true. Yeah,
2: sure. Yeah. It's like they um, have to come to the conclusion themselves. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So you obviously have to be good at effective questions, uh, at, at asking questions. The way, um, the
3: way I heard that was you want people to own the insight, not rent it. Thanks. Yeah, there you go. If you tell well, them that, they rent it. If, if they come to that, they own
1: it. Yeah, much better said. That's actually really well said. And I think that's the distinction about coaching and agile. Um. I think it'd be refreshing to see a little more emphasis on the coaching and a little less emphasis on the notion of agile coaching because I think the conversation is premature to talk about agile coaching Mm -hmm. until you have a really healthy um, dialogue around, well, what is coaching? And um, me, on a personal level, I coach teens and young adults. What do I coach them on? Mm -hmm. Uh, Life skills, asking better questions, knowing themselves. And those paradigms and those insights really do tie into what you do at the in the workplace. It's the same kind of stuff. Um, I see coaching as as a form of leadership,
0: and and I think of it as um, as a coach or as a leader. this style of leadership. My role is to enable others to become leaders. And and if you think about it, like it's a big pyramid scheme where everybody wins. If you yeah. can coach other people to then become coaches or or leaders. It makes all of us stronger. Yeah. It makes the organization stronger, whether you're working uh, for a corporation or in your community or whatever it might be.
1: It's funny as you say that. I remember talking to a, um, uh, a psychologist who was going to change his um, value prop from, you know, therapy to coaching. And I asked him about, well, you know, to expand on that. And he said, you know, before you can actually talk about uh, how to help somebody? Um, I don't want to say fix themselves, but you know overcome some kind of challenge or issue. You really kind of need to get more into a coaching mentality because it's a little bit of what you said a moment ago. If you're fixing somebody, you're really not coaching them. You're you're renting out knowledge for them to borrow and who and hope that they get it. Or alternatively, you enroll them in the process of the learning of the knowledge. Yeah, like Ben said, the um, uh, having them
0: own it, not rent it. It's yeah. kind of like the um, if you teach a man to fish versus if
1: yeah. if, if you give a man a fish yeah. type of yeah. thing, right? And that, that's probably it right there. Yeah.
3: The other the other thing, uh, uh, a, a, a really good coach who was a capital C coach, um, when I was at dealer.com, Sheree Silas, uh, had had a, a one phrase that has stuck in my mind, which was, when somebody comes to you with a problem, they almost always know the answer. And your job... Your skill could be should be in helping them discover the answer they already know, yeah. and that
0: was a really interesting yeah. perspective on. working through. I got in the most trouble with my wife when, when she would give me and, I, and, do and some it, it, t- it took a her. while to learn this <laughs> this right. She would she would start telling me her problem and I'd immediately try to like solve oh, yes. it. I've been and down that road she, and and finally it, it she came out and said I don't want you to solve my problem. I just want you to listen to me. So yeah. so you know? Google it's all about the nail. It's. I'm sorry. It's not about the nail.
1: It's not about the nail. It's a
3: two and a half minute clip that is hysterical.
1: Oh, we got to get that. Yeah, I want to see that. It's
3: not about the nail. I will not tell you any more about it. But it. What you
0: just said. Link in the show notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So you know, I kind of want to close at least at least on my commentary to kind of what you just said. Coaching is a very personal phenomenon. It's not some abstract third party lording over others and evangelizing from a podium.
3: Oh, it is sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is sometimes. <laughs> but, but it shouldn't be. And, and, you know, considering the fact that I actually don't, um, I am not recognized as an agile coach, and I, I certainly have many opinions on it. Because my observations are there's there's so much emphasis on the glamour of this agile coaching hmm. yeah. and not enough on just the tax of the contribution that comes from actually everything you know when you're talking about these more personal kind of po- perspectives that's coaching and then extrapolating that and expanding it to be from the individual to the team to the organization to the company that's kind of my view of the difference between coaching and agile and then then the agile coaching is a brand new conversation so yeah. Probably about
3: all I got. When I go to the Agile Coaching exchanges, they always start up with the, uh, you know, the X and the different parts of what makes a coach. And technical mm-hmm. capability is down is only one part of it. It's not even yeah. a quadrant. It's like a sixth of it. You're
0: talking about um, Agile Coaching Institute, Lisa Adkins' yes. is uh, yes, exactly. X-wing yeah, diagram, exa- yeah, exactly. Right. And
3: and the technical thing, which when people feel like they've mastered things makes them a coach is down at the bottom right and there's all these other skills that go in and it, it always cracks me up because i use it the same term i call them the soft skills versus the hard skills where i think in my mind the hard skills are the technical details and the soft skills are the other stuff but it turns out the soft skills are the hardest ones to yeah. to master so th- th- it's kind of a, a misnomer.
1: Especially when you involve people. Then it really gets complicated. Yeah, oh, coaching yeah. when you don't involve people, <laughs> I
3: found, is really, really <laughs> easy.
2: Really <laughs> easy. Yeah, their
0: competency framework is, is what you're talking yes. about, how it has the... Uh, Agile Lean Practitioner is kind of like the the table stakes. You have to know Agile and Lean to become an Agile coach. And right. That's your first job. Cool. And then they have teaching and mentoring. They have professional coaching and facilitating. Those four are kind of off to the sides of the diagram. And then at the bottom, as Ben said, you've got technical, business, and transformational mastery. You've probably
3: seen
1: this mm-hmm. uh, uh, very diagram. Interesting. Uh, you transition. know, it's interesting to see actually off on the left teaching and mentoring. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a lot of where my, and those are gotta have my perspective. Yeah, those from the
3: way Haves, the way I remember it, the bottom three you try to be really good in one of those three. Yeah. The, right, you don't, the don't have the technical, the business, or yeah.
1: the transformational. Right. But the others are gotta have. We're gonna. I'll we'll get that from you later. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's uh it's in the show notes. And actually, do you have a deck of my cards with the 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 yellow deck? Is what I started. I should have brought a, a couple. So I uh. Out to
1: you. I have your deck at home. Yeah. yeah, it's it's card number one in that deck. Is it really? Is in there? But yeah, uh, yeah okay. I'll make sure you get it.
0: I had a
3: visual um, manifestation of the difference in those hard and soft skills that dawned on me like a half a day later. I was down at the Scrum Gathering in San Diego, and they had a coach's clinic, so there was just an area mm-hmm. where there were tables, and every table was for a coach and someone with an issue and people would, uh, was something they wanted to talk about, and they would sign up and reserve a time. And I would walk through there on and off. And I knew about two or three of the coaches. I didn't know the other ones. And I walked through there, I don't know how many times during the gathering, and and it it struck me probably over an adult beverage that when I walked through there, I knew who the coach was, Mm -hmm. even though I didn't (laughs) know the coach. In other words, I didn't know the coach, and I didn't know the person
0: talking to the coach. You could identify just by observing who the coach is. It was almost an
3: agile stance. There was an engagement. There was almost physically... A Mm -hmm. difference between the way I might have talked to this person and the way this much better trained in the soft skills person was doing Mm -hmm. that and that was it was was just a physical manifestation it wasn't anything in a book with bullet points on how you become a good coach yeah but it was
0: just
1: well I'm hearing you talk about a bit of what I experienced I think as of like four years I came uh, to meet you guys and the agile open intent in Irvine right and uh, it's a presence there's a there's a spirit about agile which I won't go too far into that but it's got a different presence in uh, in terms of just resonance with, uh, you know, the team, the, pe- the people you're around, uh, how people talk to each other. I mean, there's a, that's actually what kind of struck me when I first mm-hmm. got around Agile, where they talk about kind of the classical project management methodologies are more uh, command-oriented. I forgot that. Sure, the command and control versus yeah, the command and control. kind of giving the team the autonomy to do it right, themselves. Right, right. And yeah. so that was pretty powerful. So when I'm hearing you say that... Is, I see that as well. And, and those are the people that I actually want to listen to. Um, because I know they're showing up from a different perspective. Uh, the, the, the head on their shoulders is exactly their head. There's not a massive ego in there ready to dictate to you how you should think and how you should be and how you should operate. You know, because in the end, you know, all these conversations, they all involve some kind of change. We're trying to enroll somebody in an idea. And if you don't have that kind of presence like you're talking about, you're not going to attract people to the idea of what you're trying to share. And really, what you're trying to share is, in principle, in the service of them,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's not technically, I want you to do this because you should do it. I mean, it's, 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 it's a different way of showing up. So I'm hearing you talking about the, um, the
0: presence around the agile mindset that you noticed yeah. at, at the at the Agile Open in this case um, years ago, and, and and Ben was saying kind of talking about the coaching stance, and and even though this topic we say the relationship between agile and coaching, I kind of see it as a Venn diagram, right? And we're in this overlap, yeah, where agile and coaching fit together as as we just talked about in the uh, competency model of of ACI there. Um, but going back to what Ben said about he can also observe someone's in that stance of a coach, whether it's Agile or not, that's that's pretty darn important. I think that you could bring someone into an organization who has no idea what Agile is, and they could be nearly as an effective coach or maybe even more effective in some cases than someone who's steeped in kind of the manifesto, the values, the scrum model, all that stuff, because they're willing to kind of take on that that stance, that idea of I'm going to listen to you, I'm going to um, give you guiding questions, powerful questions that will help you to solve your own problems. And and that's
1: that's actually a thousand percent of where my initial kind of idea was. What you just described is actually where I see uh, agile and coaching Come together you in put a very coaching into way.
0: an agile environment, and that's where the, yeah. the secret sauce is. Yeah, right?
3: back back to you know the answer. I just yesterday finished a four day safe training, and the instructor Sue Shreve, I will give a shout out to her. Um, at times when someone would ask a question, would say, "Okay, you're about to be an SPC. What would you do? Don't you know? In other words, don't ask me. Work it out." And and the rest of the class would then work with the person who asked the question and come up with the answer. Much more powerful. And it was, again, that reflexive questioning. The, the funny thing is, I, you know, I look through all these things. I read these articles, and I read about the little techniques and, you know, ask the right questions, you know, reflexive and all this. But the image I get is, is of, of an archer with a, mm. a bone arrow and a quiver. And the coaches that I've really respected, the coaches that are really good, when a situation comes up they're looking at you but they're reaching back and they pull the exact right arrow out of that bow and arrow and they fire it and I feel like I would pull the quiver in front of me and start Thumbing through, through. (laughs) should I be be active listening? Should I be reflexive? Then you're not present in the moment. Yeah, what's the thing I should do? And I want that to be muscle memory. So, so I do coach agility, but to be an agile coach with a capital C, I want to be able to reach back and pull the right, Right. pull the right arrow out without even knowing I'm pulling. And I've got a
1: totally different image of you now. Sort of a little bit of a Robin Hood look to you now coming to me. Yes, yes, yes. I
3: take I take from the the command and control (laughs) and give to the (laughs) –
1: that's uh, great. Oh, <laughs> well put. Awesome.
0: You know, I, I think that this conversation, uh, this topic, rather, of, of the overlap or the relationship between agile and coaching is something that we're going to continue as we move through our other topics. Because the next one here, Larry, and this is yours, um, you wrote A Day in the Life of a Coach. Um, and I tacked on to the end of it as opposed to a scrum master because I'd, I'd kind of like yeah, to poke at out a bit. But I see see these as very much entwined. So what did you mean by when you wrote that card, a day in the life of a coach?
2: Yeah, I've been giving this a lot of thought just because um, uh, I'm challenged by the certified agile team coach thing. It's not the certification so much, it's the goal. And then the questions that they ask and the process you have to go through to get that. I think that's a really great thing. And uh, so I pictured myself, okay, lawhead you walk into... Uh, the enterprise has just hired you, contracted you to be their agile coach. You walk in, and what do you do? What do you do? What value do you bring? Well, okay, so there's a discussion about, well, you, you help them form a baseline. You help them standardize their understanding of of agile. Yeah, but I think there's a whole lot more to it than just that. And so I wanted to poke around a little bit in your minds to see. You know, I have some ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, well i 'll I'll throw them out I'll just to get the conversation yeah, sure. started yeah. you know i'm i'm a real big uh, reports guy reports not so much uh, Excel spreadsheet reports although that's kind of fun, but I like watching uh, looking at the cumulative flow diagrams and making sure my process is working fine i want to see um, i want to see if uh, also, if my if certain processes or certain say in in uh, Jira, it's real easy to see you see certain groups of stories that are outside of your um, your your average, and then you can go and look at those, and you can ask why is this so, and you bring it back to the team, and you ask them as I as I've done this as a um, Scrum master, I do that all the time. Say uh, why why did it take so long, and then the conversation just opens up all kinds of kaizen all kinds of improvements you can do so i was thinking as an agile coach that's how i do my gemba walk basically as i i look through the performance of the team uh using the a the rally or cheer, whatever you got or even crunch the numbers yourself if you have to but i want to see how my team is doing it's almost like a football coach or he's go he goes through the videos after after the game and he goes oh yeah we could have uh, he, he's picking up ideas. Yeah. He's not coming up with with answers. He's just picking up ideas. And so when I go through my my dashboards that I put together for myself, I'm picking up ideas because uh, oftentimes you get to your retrospective, the team goes, everything's fine. I don't know. You know yeah, oh, let's go home. Glasses, I, yeah. Let's have an early lunch. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, hold it, guys. Just a second. I, I got. I got. Let me just throw this out there. Did you look at that little clump of stories up here? Way above the average why do you think that happened and they go then of course what are they click on them in Nigeria the jury you click on them and whoop, there you go you got the whole list and then all of a sudden the conversation explodes that's so why i think an agile coach is a person who's who looks at that kind of stuff and you're not as we've discussed before we're not giving answers we're asking questions yeah. why was this and um with the one of the more recent teams I've had, <clears throat> I brought this question up, and it just exploded. And we had a whole series of Kaizen, of, of um, improvement stories that we were able to create because of that conversation. And it really did help us. And they were one of the ones that kept going, ah, let's have an early lunch, we're done. So yeah. I, that's where I actually used that. Oh, it's it great just,
0: to see that in a team. Yeah, like and that that it, it, had,
2: it had worked yeah. real well. well. And then wow. they were so a- proud of themselves, it was amazing.
1: What I'm kind of hearing, too, is a little bit back to, um, I mean, so, you know, all, all these topics as we start to kind of put them, uh, connect them, and what you described to me was uh, kind of an interesting distinction, and in, to the degree that you could, if you could, measure ownership, mm-hmm. because ownership is enrollment, and a little bit of what we've been talking about, You, what I'm hearing, which is sounded like it's working, is that you're engaging your team enough where they're embracing the ownership part
2: yes absolutely
1: and that's that to me is kind of a good measure of successful coaching successful um you know agile uh implementation uh, uh, improvements whatever you want to call it but that's a good metric actually that would be an interesting distinction to capture in um you say you're, you're kind of a metrics or reporting
2: guy. Yeah, look at the control chart. I'm going I'm I'm to call you over the week because I
1: want, I want to get some of your ideas, too.
3: See, you actually took me one step further than, than what I thought was a really good practice we had. When we, did, when we would do retros, and this is the outcomes and outputs, right? Yeah. When we, we talk about why are we doing retros, it's well to identify, um, to identify issues that we might want to work on, along with celebrating victories, but it usually turns into... More looking at, at areas for improvement, and um, and when people say that out loud, say we want to come up with it, they realize that that's not enough of an output. It's well, we want to come up with them and assign actions, identify actions to fix them, but even that's not quite enough. So we hmm. preach in terms of doing our work, inspect and adapt. But when we do retros, we do a lot of inspecting. We don't do a lot of adapting. Uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm. So what we did, this was a brand-new thing. Nobody ever thought of this before. <laughs> was, we created this thing that we named the Kanban board. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> did
3: you patent that? And, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, uh, and we would open the each retro with one or two minutes on anything that was still in the to-do column. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, this is okay. great. Anything that's this in the to-do column, we would say, and we would say, okay, we yeah. fixed it. Goes into the done.
0: Um, so th- this is a Kanban board that's separate from the work that they're doing. This was our retro
3: right? Kanban. Retro oh yeah, I've two, used that. I've used yep. that by oh, the way, this was our team. So kan- this
1: is a, a retro Kanban board. Yes, exactly, yeah.
3: exactly. So and and I'll get to why what you just said triggered the next step in this. Um, sometimes we'd say no, it's not fixed, but let's put it back on the backlog, or it's not fixed, but we don't care about it anymore. Or it's not fixed, it is a problem, and we keep talking about it. Then we would go down the the to-do column, which was things that came up in, some, you know, dot, vote, however you want to do it, mm-hmm. bring them into to-do. But the key was that now it never fell through the cracks, and sometimes you would take that retro item and put it on the board mm-hmm. so that every day it stand up that was one of the items just like any other story so you
0: would take your yeah. an item from your retro board and put it on your actual backlog board. exactly, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know zero sure. point
3: not points but just something <laughs> right. that we had to talk about Start during yep. stand up but the key that that Larry and Curtis kind of closed the loop on that was that when things move to done now aha the retro actually has outcomes we're doing yes. the outcome, and now this is success, and now I really do want to do the retro, not just un- unburden myself. But the thing that you said that I missed was: how long are things staying in the to-do column? Yeah. How long are things staying in the in-progress column? That would be an interesting metric to look at.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, from the retro perspective. For, yeah. In other
3: words, yeah. Do you notice uh, we have 15 things in the to-do column, and you no know, we never. There. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it takes. It takes uh, five retros to get something done. Or things are in to-do for three straight sprints, and why aren't we fixing So
0: I, I think that's important to talk through. One thing that I've found is that with my teams, I don't have 15 things in the to-do column. I limit it to like their their top two or three most painful things or things that they commit to taking an, it's an, an action on. a word. there has to be a whip limit. And, yeah, because yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> otherwise yeah. they look at it, and they're just demoralized. Yeah. We're never going to get through this See, but list. but you said the main big are.
1: word there was commit. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually, I think, the kind of the...
0: Well, that too, I, I always is. tell the team, instead of um, trying to come up with as many actions to like fix all our problems, yeah. just commit to one, maybe just two. To one. To yeah. Know yeah. that you can get it done. Small steps. So
3: and that's, that's what putting enough. it on the board does. Yeah. 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 It yeah. says yeah. every day,
0: like it or not, we're going to talk about it. Sometimes
3: somebody will take ownership of it, sometimes the team does, depending on the nature of it. I, yeah. I
1: guess you could have a little fun with it, although I don't know that it would be fun, but you could, you know, color code your cards if you had cards and... You know, it'd be kind of kind of red. You're paying attention to it, and then it would turn from green. Uh, you know, you're you're blazing through it, or then it could be blue. It's cold as ice, and you got a lot of blue on your board. <laughs> you got a blue team. I like that's. That. I like
2: that. <laughs> yep, so. I've used I've used that, um, uh, Kaizen Kanban, uh, for one of my teams, and, and it really really worked, and I loved it too. See, they had this. They they came to me with a concern. We've you know, we're we're just letting all these improvement suggestions fall through the crack and then somewhere you mentioned that, I can't remember, and I thought that's my that's my answer. And I used it and it was it it was perfect. Nothing ever fell through the cracks and the team got so pumped as they watched the improvement go across the board and a lot of times then one improvement goes and then you can move over a bunch more because somehow they were connected and you didn't see it initially. So
1: is this like a, is this would you call it a retro uh Kanban board?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: In simple yeah. terms? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: And 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 we used we actually found a sophisticated tool called Excel, right? <laughs> and that's what, and that's what we kept it. it on.
1: Has formulas? Yeah, yeah, I heard
3: about well, that. Well, I, I should say we really were further along <laughs> than that. We we used the G sheet so we could share it. It wasn't just an Excel sheet, but but um and 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 a, and a point of this too, this came from a comment uh, and a discussion that the team had where. My goodness, we've talked about that three times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so shockingly, the, the genesis of this came from someone who was not an agile coach. It was just a team member. <laughs> but, I mean, listening to the team is what was the genesis yeah. of
1: that. You know, I, I just yeah. want to okay. add one thing to that, Larry, is, you know, if you go back a ways, I mean, some of you may remember the concept TQM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Total, quality Total Quality Management. management. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, when you think about this conversation, the genesis of it, it really is a TQM kind of mentality. It's a quality mentality.
2: Yeah, it is. There and you it's go. just,
1: you know, it's Absolutely. a quality mentality, measuring, you know, what is it that we produce that's of value and how do we do it quicker, better, faster, really in simple terms. Um, you know, so it kind of goes with that. Um, but I think one thing is before we go down that lane, I know you had some other secret sauce on your you're uh you know, we're going to share well
2: that's where i wanted to get the conversation started because that's yeah. how that's how i envision a coach i i don't envision a coach just visiting teams listening in on their <clears throat> their daily stand-ups or maybe maybe you can listen in on their retrospectives or you of course you're going to the to the uh, sprint reviews the demos but that's more than just hanging out listening it's it's being engaged with the numbers and trying to constantly look at what are these numbers telling me? What what is my cumulative flow diagram telling me? What is my control chart telling me? And 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 then not only that, but that's just the numbers. And that that's basically only half the story, if at all. It's, how's the team doing? How's the team feeling? How's the team interacting? Are these guys pumped? Are these guys excited? Do they feel like they're empowered? That's that's another whole conversation.
0: So I'm, I'm listening to you, and I'm not saying that's not the role of a coach, but what I am thinking is, isn't that the role of a scrum master? If you have scrum masters and you have coaches, like you're describing the role of a scrum master as well. They're one team specific, maybe two or so, but they're looking at, you know the work as it passes through the system. They're trying to find the inefficiencies, the ways that we can improve, improve quality. They're looking at the team morale. So, why I wrote on your card is like, what's you said, day in the life of a coach? Yeah. And I wanted to distinguish that if if it's necessary uh-huh. to between that of a scrum master because okay. I yeah. see. And again, if we go back in time to when you you kicked off the uh, the topic here, Larry, you you had mentioned you know a coach comes in and there's a gemba element to it and it might open up this world of ahas but but what does that look like from a prescriptive standpoint if you would tell someone if someone came to you and said hey i want to be an agile coach what does my day-to-day look like you wouldn't just i don't know if you describe it as like oh you like try to find this world of ahas that opens up yeah but how do you do that you know what are the steps that you would take to do it and and what I would do is I would walk them back to the role of a scrum master because you can be more sp- specific, have more uh, concrete examples, be more prescriptive again and say, okay, well, you have the ceremonies that go on, the daily stand-up, the intention there is for the team to talk to each other, and you as a scrum master, you observe. Are they talking to each other? Are they asking questions to each other? Or do they just kind of like give their status, look at their shoes, and go back to their desk kind of thing? Uh, and you can walk through some of the other um, ceremonies that we have, you know, whether it's a, a demo a review, a, a retrospective, a planning session. Um, as a Scrum Master, you walk around, you kind of do your Gemba walk within the team, you know, and on a day-to-day cadence. Are, are people coding? Are they pairing? Are they mobbing? Um, when they're stuck, are they asking for help? That type of thing. Uh, and you can kind of find very specific activities that a Scrum Master might do. And then to take your question your topic just a bit further and say, okay, what's the difference then between a scrum master and a coach?
1: Maybe there is no difference, yeah, I, wanted a, I wanted to comment to that because, yeah. to me, I think coaching happens at all levels. You could have a team lead be a coach, actually be the coach of the scrum master. You could have a scrum master do coaching. You could have a product owner be a coach if you want to just simplify for the roles, right, the three primary roles. Um, and then you could have... A coach, somebody who's actually got that distinctive title. Yeah. So, what I'm, you know, here, here, here's kind of, if, if you are hired as an agile coach, Larry, I'm directing this question to you. This conversation about making things working better at kind of the, I'm going to call it a little bit more tactical level. Where do you go for kind of the more strategic conversations? And here's, here's how I'm, I'm why I'm framing it that way. There's going to be a point where you're talking to the stakeholders that are interested in how you're making things better. How do, you, how do you impart that activity you're doing in one place to them? Or maybe maybe ask differently, what are you doing in the coaching paradigm with the people that you're reporting to?
2: Yeah, I've given, I've given this some thought, and there's kind of two pieces to this, I think. First of all, the, the numbers tell a story. And as you see those numbers improve, then you can report on those improved numbers. Now, the big question is, how do you do this? And and I've given this a lot of thought about, okay, i run this through my head. Uh, okay, what, so what is the difference between a coach and, and a scrum master? Well, as you pointed out, we're basically, we're all coaching here, right? If you're a scrum master, you're constantly coaching. If you're a coach, of course, you're coaching. And it, and it has, it, it, the prerequisite, of course, is a previous conversation we had, um, But what I'm doing is I'm also asking questions not of the team, but I'm asking questions of the Scrum Masters. It's incredible, and I know all of us understand this. Bless our hearts, but, man, there's some pretty rough Scrum Masters out there. They get their their certified Scrum Master thing, and they're Scrum Mastering, and they're lost a lot of times. So you're there to help them also. So you're looking at these numbers, and you're not necessarily running off to the team and – introducing those to the retrospective, but you're first of all asking the scrum master, hey, what do you think about this? And you start coaching the scrum master, and that trickles down to the team. If he gets stuck, he wants your help, then, of course, you show up with the team and encourage them a bit. But I think your your focus is two, two, well, threefold, basically. You're working with the scrum master, helping him to internalize these things that he's learned and helping him become a really good coach in his own right, and then you're helping the teams if, uh, they need that, if, you know, if the Scrum Master needs that support. Then upward to the organization, you're showing them the improvements that you're making. Numerically, really. I've been able to see this and it's really kind of fun. Uh, as the Kaizen takes its, its, uh, its course through the process, you see productivity does increase. Then you're able to go, this is what our coaching has done. And it's, guess what? It's not me, but your Scrum Masters have been tremendously responsive these guys are lovely people they're learning they're growing your teams are catching this vision you've got a great place here and
1: i gotta follow on to that yeah
2: go on so
1: i think to myself and i want to kind of move into a little less generic question um what what are some of the things that are being asked for, and, and, and let me qualify it this way. In, in my career, I've done about 100, 180 projects at about 70 different companies.
3: Can't keep a job, can you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> As a consultant. Let me add that in there, Ben. Thank you for that, though. Yeah, I'm flexible and nimble. So um, the reason I, I, I frame that is because there's usually several themes around what people ask for. First is, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest, you know, like Simon Sinek, you, if you've seen Let's his video, why. why, right? Yeah. It's a great place to start with just that kind of thinking. And then comes the why. Why am I having to change using this tool that I know this and I know that process to do your thing, whatever that thing is. And then there's the actual mechanics inside of everything of doing stuff, getting work done, developers, quality to testers and this this sort of thing. Um. What are some of the specifics and around, I guess, your observations? Because what I'll just say this is usually the biggest thing that I run into is I had a great tool, you're messing it up for me, I had a great process, I don't want to do that. And then if you get over, not if, you have to get over, it. when you get over the next step, which is, well, you're kind of going to do it anyway, but I'm going to help you. Then comes that, well, okay, well, show me how to do this. How do I use this tool? How do I adopt this process? How do I you know work in this new uh, dynamic organizationally, process-wise, all these other different facets that are much more specific? What is it that you're characterizing that's distinct and different that you see being asked for than maybe what I've shared? Some example.
2: Oh, That's a tough one. I, I've you know it's kind of interesting. Most of the um, contracts and does that
1: make sense? What I'm asking? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Most of the contracts that I've I've gotten, they they asked me to come in because somebody made a decision in some senior position that we're going to do agile uh, or whatever. You know, yeah. you get various <laughs> various degrees of buy-in from super grumpy to yeah, this is a great idea. Let's do it. You know. <laughs> To uh, I'm lost. I really have no idea what this is, but we got to get our work done. So whatever, uh, so it depends on how they've ex- they've received it, and so then if they have not received it well, then you got to. Well, I, I've I have had to, uh, huge struggles with this, uh, where say you've got your PMO still, and maybe your PMO is in transition, and the people are uh, transitioning from project managers to scrum masters, but not really, and. You, we do, we do. So it gets to be very difficult. So you have to take them back and basically ask, Do you guys really want to do this? Yeah. And then it breaks down to something that's very familiar to all of us. Then if you say, Well, we haven't. Got... <laughs> One manager told me, We haven't got a choice. So help us make this yeah, work. Yeah, see, that's
1: not commitment. Yeah. That's not enrollment. That's that. That's why I'm asking the question because, I, and I'm interested in you know actually. Yeah, so I don't are, it's renting the solution. Right? Yeah, yeah, and it's,
3: and it's it's outcomes. In other words, yes, exactly. In other words, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Or even uh, remembering the future, right?
2: Mm.
3: When we've done this agile thing that you're all enamored with, what are we doing differently? You know, and in a year from now, in a year from now, even if you can't give me the answer, give me the form of an answer. In other words, I'll start the question, and you tell me a, a candidate answer, whether it's right or not. We've been doing agile for a year, and we feel it's really beneficial because, right? Tell me what you think might be something you would end that sentence with, and now we're starting to understand what we should be trying to go to. I've uh, was talking with the team, and I had my outputs over uh, outcomes over outputs deck, right? Because they were really just they had no idea what was going on. And I wanted to go through and say, hey, you know, you're doing this. this the ceremonies don't seem meaningful because you don't understand what we're trying to do. So I had the deck up, and I got to the first slide, and somebody asked a question. It was an hour slide. We spent an hour and a half. Never went to slide two, because we even mm-hmm. went we went outcome further back than that. Which is why are we even doing Agile? Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, you know, you're doing these pro forma stand ups, and they're not working because you, you, the outcome of a stand up isn't what you think it is. Right? Mm-hmm. We've been through that. And that's what I was going to talk about. But, but we went back one step even higher. Why are we doing this Agile thing at all? And it was interesting because these were really smart people. These were people who did optimizing algorithms in the database queries, you know. And, and they asked really challenging questions like my stuff takes three months to think about, not two weeks. Why am mm-hmm. I doing sprints? So that was a different issue. And, and, and my inclination was to start with that. But but we just went back, and, and, and putting it in their context, getting behind their eyes, they all understand feedback loops. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So they all understand the benefit of quicker feedback. So don't talk about two-week sprints and demos. Talk about quicker feedback. And that's the outcome we're looking for. And, oh, by the way, I just happen to have... This, these, uh, th- you know, four pr- four meetings, three people, you know, these things that might that might right. be a framework that helps. Exactly. That's good. Yeah.
2: yeah, this has happened. This, yeah, yeah, this this that's a great conversation, and that's the one that has to take and, place. And
3: again, because I'm so brilliant, it came up, <laughs> it came up, that derailed the conversation yeah. I wanted to have. Yeah, and let's
1: <laughs> fix that. That was Ben speaking, in case anybody <laughs> who wanted to. <her. laughs>
3: so, uh, there's an interesting, by the way. The difference. There's a couple of of, of things that popped in my mind about the difference between a scrum master and a coach, and and I was going to say there's an experiment, but it's it's it actually is happening to me right now. I was scrum mastering a team, and they decided that in our remote facility we needed a coach, but the. The contract, the deal I had to sign was that I would still scrum master that one team until they could find a scrum master to do mm-hmm. that. And it was it was, asked, it was imposed as a condition of transitioning into being a coach. Mm. Well, it was a blessing because now instead of thinking in the higher level – for part of the day, I have to. I heard a great term. I always think of eating my own dog food. But somebody okay. said, you know, I like to think of it as drinking our own champagne. <laughs> uh, much better. And, yeah. That's much better. But, but, <laughs> much yeah. <calendar>. yeah. <laughs> but 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 now I can be up. You know, the, the the guy with the long beard on the mountain, and all of my agile <laughs> acolytes come up to me and ask me all these insightful questions, and I make my money by saying what do you think? think? (laughs) Um, But now I've got a team that every day for 15 minutes is really doing stuff and I can see right off if this if this malarkey I'm telling everyone else is, is really working. So that might be an interesting experiment is every so often for a coach to actually you know for six months or something be a scrum master and get back into
0: it and see if yeah. The nonsense you're saying really works. I haven't been a scrum master for a while and I just spent the last four months with one team being a scrum master yeah. again.
2: And, and
0: now I'm <laughs> done yeah. with that. Yeah. The other, the other thing but that, it's great. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. It, it it reminds you of you gotta yeah. eat your own champagne. Yeah, exactly. Or drink. Drink your own champagne.
3: The other thing about the difference between a scrum master and a coach, somebody at the at the uh, uh, I don't think it was the open space. I think it was at the Scrum Gathering said he he goes annually to this one Midwest convention of agilists and mm-hmm. goes, it was interesting. Uh, uh, two years ago I went and there were like about hundreds of Scrum Masters and there were like 50 coaches. And he said, I went back and I saw all the same people, but now there were like 500 coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there's no difference. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I think that something you said there, Ben, kind of makes me want to transition to our third topic here, uh, which is yours. Uh, you had talked about the contract, and, and I kind of thought we were moving in that direction. So our third topic says um, the 3rd it's about the third Agile value, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. And uh, you wanted to talk about the contract game. So introduce the card, if you will.
3: Yeah. So uh, this came out of uh, a part of the training in large-scale Scrum, less that uh, we listened to with craig larman mm-hmm. and part of what we talked about was this um and I I, I I first heard it from him i don't know if it came elsewhere uh the contract game and whenever i looked at the third agile value i always thought of it, it, it um specifically the way it was in other words customer collaboration over contract negotiation in other words um let's work with our end customers and try to Deliver value to them incrementally pri- and prioritized as opposed to making big, you know, uh, here's the bundle of stuff you're going to give me and let's figure out what we're going to do it. And that made sense. But we've all said over and over and over again we all have internal customers, right? You know, uh, there's a great industrial video by John Cleese of all people called The Customer's Always Dwight. <laughs> and and, and it's, it has a guy walking in, and he's returning something, and, and Dwight is there um, to talk to the person. So he's talking with the customer. I'm sorry. So Dwight comes in. So, so Dwight's the customer. is customer's always Dwight. And he puts it into this little chute, and it's almost like Brazil in the back. There's the huge company behind there that's handling this problem. And nice. everyone is handing things off to someone else. And each case, it was Dwight was the customer of the next person down the line. Yeah. Huh. So if we start thinking of the customers being our internal customers, now we start thinking about collaboration over contracts internally in our agile delivery, and and it starts very elementally. Um, and and I believe the Scrum Guide has taken the word commitment out and changed it to forecast. Mm-hmm. And I'm I. I always, not always, but I rarely focus on nomenclature and in this case, when you talk about the contract game, it's really important because if you say that what we've done at the end that we've given our thumbs up to at the end of sprint planning is a commitment you've started the contract game you have Mm -hmm. signed a contract that we are committed to do this Mm -hmm. right? Now expand it to um, prioritized at the epic and story level, whatever scaling methodology you're using. You know, our CEO has to talk to Wall Street uh, every every quarter, and he's going to make some promises that may be specific on what we're delivering. The board of directors wants to know what we're going to be doing for a year or two, right? All of these have elements that we're charged with trying to do, while uh, in, in not enforcing while. while Promulgating our agile mindset, and yet each of these things, if misconstrued, can be a contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the idea of treating internal interfaces as customers, which is something we're very comfortable with, but treating that contract versus collaboration was it, it was, a, it was a, kind of a, a, a seminal focus that I had never thought about about that third that third value.
1: So. Bring the distinction here. Okay, in so summary. so
3: it works. It works up and down the chain. Mm-hmm. So um, a fight that we're having, not a fight, a discussion that we're having at our company has to do with assessments and metrics,
0: mm-hmm.
3: right? And we all know metrics are evil, except Larry, who really, <laughs> likes, really likes numbers. Okay, but but for instance, and 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 goodheartedly, a very senior person wanted to make sure that every team. Radiated their burn down chart. Okay, so rather than attack, when I talk to people like this, what I'll do is ask them, "How would you use it?" Not yep, that's exactly. a, that's none of your business. Which is my first my first inclination <laughs> is it's none of your business. You know, uh, well actually, my first one is no, that's a really stupid idea, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. it's none of your business. But 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 the collaboration works both ways because I am collaborating with this with this person. And, and her outcome is, and it's not just her curiosity, it's her duty to make sure she's the VP of delivery, yes. that we're delivering in a, in a productive way, and it's her duty to make sure that we're getting better, yeah. right? So, uh, I think it was uh, Lorraine Aguilar mm-hmm. uh, showed a little a pyramid, I was thinking of it as an iceberg, mm-hmm. where you have behavior atop mm-hmm. and needs at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And we all look at behavior and we want to try to change that behavior. I want to change this VP's behavior of wanting to look at burn down charts. But it's much more productive to look at the needs that are driving that behavior. Yeah, exactly. And try to satisfy those needs. Yeah. So now the collaboration is instead of the contract where I want you to show burn down charts and our contract with them is our burn down charts going to look a certain way. It's a bad example because that one's obviously easy to work around. Um, Now the collaboration is, ah, your need is to understand that we're producing and that we're getting better. And I get that. That is a good thing to do. Now let's collaborate on what metrics and assessments are you interested in. Um, We have any one of the 50,000 different ways of teams doing assessments once a quarter and checking on their agility health. Air quotes for people who (laughs) can see what we're doing. Agility health. so. I want you to do do assessments on every team, BP talking. I want you to do assessments on every team, and I want to see them. Okay. What are the things, what are the outcomes we're looking to do better? And how about if we, because I saw one vice president took the solutions and put each team's red, green, yellow up there with their names on it. Yeah. Okay. So, and and they understand Agile. You're supposed to be transparent. Why would you have a problem with that? Okay, fair, fair point. Let's collaborate on that idea. Again, you want to know if your area is getting better. If we aggregated the numbers, would that be good enough? Or if we showed them to you anonymously so you could not only see the mean but also the, the deviation. You know, <laughs> the, you know uh, is our average pretty good but there are teams that are really good and really bad? Do you need to know which teams those are, or will you trust the people to work on that? So Excellent.
0: Earlier uh, in the conversation on one of the other topics, I think Larry, I can't remember if Curtis interpreted Larry, but you said uh, the metric of ownership. Yeah. And and I kind of winced at that a bit, um, but I understand, like, why you want that. You want to see that there is that ownership, that engagement, and you want to, as you're talking about outcomes, you want to affect it and, and make you know, help empower these teams or enable these teams to have more ownership. Yeah. And is a metric the right way to go about it? That's where I would push back. Yeah.
1: But I mean, how else would you assess it or oh, identify so, it? Right. So,
3: in in, uh, in and I want
1: I want to add to that. To oh, well, go
3: ahead. Yeah.
1: So it's interesting that that um, listening uh, because metrics are either for good or for evil. We know that, right? The evil, you know, metric that pounds you over the head. And the metric that serves as the guiding light to yeah. a new pathway. I mean, really, those are the two. There's very, so, there's very few neutral metrics. Um, and uh,
3: I'm not. I mean, I'm not sure. Sometimes metrics are just numbers. And
1: agreed. agreed. The data is. Yeah. In, in fact, yeah. I, I, I think the, the but the, the where I'm going with it is just um, as I've used metrics in my projects over the years, initiatives and such. I actually try to look at them as this is just this is just a truth of what we're really accomplishing. It's not personal. It's only personal when I tell you, mm-hmm. you're not, when I make it personal. But the metric of ownership um, is really a context that's in my mind. The visibility that you have to actually celebrate what you're accomplishing. Mm, yeah. It's more, and I don't want to say in a gamified context because leaderboards and such. I mean, I'm seeing everybody gamify stuff, which is. Not gamification, it's actually game elements. Leaderboards and accomplishments Mm -hmm. and stack ranking people. In fact, that's actually a demotivating, uh, metric. But I think the idea of ownership, when you were talking about your, you know, um, uh, Kanban boards, uh, and then the idea of metrics, in the context of celebrating accomplishment is really more of what I am, what I'm speaking to. Because if it's used, like, as you just described, there's some people who are just you know what they could be green and not just and their 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 personality temperament is I don't want to be in the limelight, I want to accomplish success from behind. So putting names to metrics like that, I think can it's very volatile and it violates what you talked about with the needs because when I see change and and I know a lot about this from neuroscience behavioral science. Um, Different change paradigm and models, Prosky, and change is an entirely emotional context. Metrics, measures, whatever work you're doing, it's all emotional. Yeah. No matter what anybody says, you you're registering an emotion on account of that activity. Mm-hmm. So if you depart and focus on just so like you were saying up here in the top of the pyramid, and don't actually take account for the needs, you know it's it's a it's an uphill battle. Yeah. but well. that. Just to kind of frame the the, the comment about metrics for, um, it's really kind of your your opportunity to contribute and to celebrate. It. Mm-hmm. It's something to celebrate a win, not to not to highlight what's not happening.
3: And to, and to be fair, the when we started collaborating very quickly with the idea of putting names on things, and and again, it was done out of I thought this was about transparency. What did I do? You, you put the names to that no, no, some, no, somebody, no. Yeah, somebody else
1: proposed that? Yes, yeah did I think. It. No, did it. I think that's yeah. volatile. Yeah, I mean it's well, unpredictable. It was,
3: but but to be fair, we then use that as a discussion point of what is it you're trying to do and, and and yes, transparency is a key element of what we're doing, but there's also safety and you need to to, yeah, to balance that's it. That's maybe it. And and yeah. when we talk about the need, because he does have not a right but a duty to understand how well his group is doing, let's figure out a way to do that and still and still safety because when you talk to the people who want to do the assessments, I'll tell them we we did we do an assessment, and the answering the questions takes 30 minutes. It, I was with the people for two hours mm. because the discussion mm. while doing the assessment was an order of magnitude more valuable than yeah. the, than the outcome sure. of the assessment. In fact, in one of them, one of the guys. And he was one of these hyphen scrum master uh, managers. So he was not trained in what he was doing. He was having all kinds of the obvious problems. He walked out with three things he wrote down that he wanted to do better. And he never looked at the results of the assessment. <laughs> he never looked at the spider chart. He never looked at red, green, yellow. He saw just, wow, that's a good question you asked. And And by the way, this was a horrible assessment. I was making a list. I had a list of things that could be wrong with a question, you know, like it didn't apply to the team. It was ambiguous. It right. was, you know, and and the ambiguous column got filled up before I got halfway through it. Yeah. And yet, just from having the discussion, um, it, it happened it was the same with this higher level person who felt that in in the, in the sense of transparency, nobody should have a problem with this. It was very, it was a very positive discussion of that. But. In, in probably the best implementation, enterprise implementation I've seen, there were four things that they upper management cared about, and it was productivity, which I would be more interested in value delivery. Yeah, yeah exactly. Quantity yeah. of value delivery, yeah. <clears throat> predictability, yeah. quality, and morale.
1: Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Say that again.
3: Uh, pro- productivity, but I would call uh, value
1: add is better. Yeah,
3: value yeah. add, yeah. predictability, generically. Let's you okay. Know, quality and morale and and the way they approached it was we'll work back and forth between predictability and productivity value delivery you know we'll we'll hold one constant and try to get the other better and then we'll get the other one better but if quality and morale ever starts suffering you forget about the first two of them that was just the way this company did that but since at the higher level these were of interest to them it was a positive exercise to try to come up with metrics that did that. And and you can, you know. In quality easily look at escaped bugs. That's that's not a bad one. For morale, we did an ENPS, right? Predictability, you have some levels of say do, of you know, uh, committed to, yeah. to deliver it. And and value productivity is, is smirchy. But if you think those are important, if those are the outcomes then at least start from there and work backwards on yeah. some metrics so met, you know teradata they say uh, data has no opinion yeah right hmm. so so come up with come up with what it is you you're trying to do and get metrics to
0: i think that's where we're going to end today and and Data may not have any opinion, but certainly around this table we do. So, <laughs> yes, so I want to thank you guys for joining me today. Um, and this is a really good Thank good you coffee. for
3: providing this forum. I mean, you've been doing a good service to the community yeah. for a long yeah, time. Yeah, thank you oh, very much. It wouldn't be anything without Just you guys need coming. You need to so. you
1: know, bring some coffee next time. and <laughs> Thank you. now it's good i we'll so. I never
0: know if I should bring the decaf or the, or, and who I
1: should give the decaf to
0: versus well,
3: the kid ca- we now, we now know coffee. it should not be dog food. It should be champagne. Uh.
0: <laughs> uh, check us out at agilecoffee.com slash episode 56 for the show notes. We'll list the video. It's not about the nail. Uh, the customer's always Dwight. We'll talk about the contract game. Uh, we'll have a link to the book, Agile Coaching, Wisdom from Practitioners, and Lorraine's Iceberg. We'll throw all that up there in the notes. I
3: think, I think it was at Lorraine's Mountain maybe, but I...
0: Yeah, I think it was an iceberg. Just, I, just I put Lorraine's that. name
3: there. Anything yeah. she does is fun. Lorraine Aguilar. So
0: around the table one more time, we had, uh, Ben Rodolitz. And I,
3: I'm going to spell that because for all the other Rodlitz, as you know, I spell it differently. It's R-O-D-I-L-I-T-Z.
0: It's the only way I spell it, brother. (laughs) Curtis Gilbert, Larry Lawhead, thank you guys for being here today. I'm Vic Bonacci. Come back again for another episode of Agile Coffee. Agile Coffee. Hi, I'm Vic Bonacci, host of the Agile Coffee Podcast. I'm here to announce my new show, PATH, a journey to understanding the role of servant leadership. I decided to start PATH because we live in an age where leaders are portrayed as selfish and not concerned with the needs of their constituents. I'm interested to hear about how leaders chose their vocations, how they were called into service of other people. For me to understand what Robert Greenleaf called servant leadership, I want to discover what influenced these leaders, how they got to where they are in their careers, and what they're moving toward on their own paths. This show is going to feature conversations with people who tend to people's needs and become leaders in the process. Please subscribe via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I look forward to serving you as we walk along our path.